a special guest uh, today. I guess every guest is special in their own way, but this guest is special, 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 special man. He's actually uh, the kitchens and my family's pastor right now. Uh, since we've moved into the Valley Stream area, we got blessed not only to move into a nice area and a nice house, but we got the best church in Long Island right up the street, so we're excited about that. Pastor Steve Malazzo is the lead pastor of Bethlehem Assembly of God in Valley Stream, New York. Bethlehem Assembly of God is a multi-ethnical church that is comprised of individuals who come from 50-plus nations around the world. Bethlehem Assembly supports over 100 mission works and ministries here and in other parts of the world. Pastor Steve has helped plant churches, revitalize struggling churches, and mentor leaders for great, greater potential in their lives and ministries. Pastor Steve Malazzo is also the founder and president of the Hope Day Network, a ministry that connects churches, organizations, and ministries to their communities through, through a day of outreaches and ongoing training. In the last several years, Hope Day has reached and served over 75,000 people and, and trained countless churches in outreach and discipleship. Pastor Steve Malazzo resides in Oceanside, New York, and this might be his greatest accomplishment. He's married to his lovely wife, Lisa, for 35 years, and they have three wonderful children. Why don't you invite, invite and give a warm welcome to my pastor, Pastor Steve Malazzo. Thank you so much. I am so honored to be here today, and I'm so proud of Paul, Pastor Paul. Pastor Paul came to see us at the district office or, you know, one of the district offices, and I had the privilege of interviewing him for his credentials, and I just knew back then there was a seat of greatness inside of him. Nobody's perfect, amen? I come close, but nobody's perfect. No, I'm just kidding. I'm humble about it, too. But... But nobody, nobody's perfect. Everybody's a human being. And we never put anybody on a pedestal. We honor people. We bless them. We're thankful for them. But we never put anybody on a pedestal. Because you know what? No one, every, every single person in this world still needs the Holy Spirit in their life on a daily basis. Every single day. David was a man after God's own heart, and he was messed up, man. I mean, I am doing a study on the, the life of David. And you think, God said, I have found a man after my own heart. And yet David did things that we would, we would be put in prison for, man. They'd throw away the key. And yet he was a man after God's own heart. So nobody's perfect. And when you put your eyes on man, you are going to fall. When you put your eyes on man, you're going to be disappointed if you keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus has never fallen. Jesus has never failed. Jesus is always there. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He'll give you strength in your life. He'll give direction in your life. He will disappoint you. There will be times when you don't understand why he's doing what he's doing in, his life, in your life. But at the end, you will see he knew exactly what he was doing. I promise you. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 19 years old. I grew up in the church all my life. 
I didn't want to know nothing about God at a point in my life. I was, I was 17, 18, 19 years old. My mother, a small little Italian lady. Let me tell you something. You don't want to mess around with small little Italian ladies. And uh, she made us go to church. My brother Frankie, he's in heaven now. My brother Frankie was 6'4". My brother Anthony was 6'2". I got all the leftover parts, right? And, um, but, but my mom used to take us to church. She used to make us go to church. She used to drag us to church. She said, you have to be in church. It doesn't matter where you were the night before, you know, even though she was sad because we were in clubs and doing all kinds of stuff, we had to go to church. I was disinterested in the things of God. I had to sit up front. Uh, my mother made me sit up front in church. I didn't want to listen. And uh, at 19 years old, I had a bad car accident, being rushed to the hospital. And the voice of the Lord spoke to my heart. Was it audible? No, I just knew it was God. He said, I'm giving you a second chance. And God gave me a second chance. I ran to the altar the next day. It was a Sunday morning. I ran to the altar. I said, God, if you're real, come into my life. Change my life, God. Take this emptiness out of my life. And God changed my life. He put a peace and a joy in my life. It hasn't been perfect, but boy, oh boy, it's been some ride. I'm 56 years old. Everybody turn to your neighbor right now and say, he doesn't look 56 years old. Come on, just lie with me. Just, just come on. Just lie with me, man. Just, just just be in denial with me on this whole thing, right? But man, I tell you what, 56 years old, 19 years old, and God has never failed me. God has been so incredibly good to me. Have I gone through valleys? Absolutely. Have I gone through struggles? Absolutely. Do I face temptation? Absolutely. Do I, do I mess up? Do I blow it? Absolutely. But God has been so good to me. He's been so faithful to me. And you never have to lose. You never have to lose the fire of God in your life. You never have to lose that first love in your life. Never, ever. I've been serving the Lord all these years, and I'm more on fire for God today than I've ever been in my life. God is so good. You never have to lose the power and the passion of God in your life. In fact, I think I'm just, I feel like I'm just beginning. I feel like this is just the beginning of my ministry, not certainly not the end of my ministry. And I've been in ministry for 35 years. My wife and I have been in ministry for 35 years. I gave my life to Jesus at 19. I got married at 20. Don't try that at home <laughs> unless the Lord tells you to do that. I got married at 20 years old. I've been married 30, uh, almost 36 years now. God has been so good to me. I started in ministry when I was 20 years old. I started as a youth pastor, actually a youth leader. And the kids that I was uh, actually ministering to and leading, they were about my age. Some of them today, I still know them. They're, I actually have great relationships with many of the, the guys, the, the young men that I was mentoring and pastoring back when I was 20 years old. And God has been really good. Now, today I want to talk to you about something really important. And, and don't you love it when God comes? confirms the message. I mean, it's amazing when God says, I want you to say something. So yesterday I began to pray and seek the Lord, and I pray absolutely every single day. I made a promise to God that I will never ever go to bed without praying and reading his word every single day. I made a vow before God. And there's, there are times when I don't want to pray. I don't want to read the word. There's a lot of times. There's a lot of times when I don't want to pray and read the word. Why? Because the flesh is 
weak. And the spirit cries out and says, feed me. But the flesh is fighting me all the way. You know what I'm talking about, right? But I know that if I read the word and I pray every day, I will be smarter, wiser, more filled with the spirit, and my attitude will change. I want you to write this down somewhere right now. Your attitude will determine your altitude in life. Your attitude is everything. Your attitude is everything in life. And if you have a good attitude, God will do a good work in your life. If you got a terrible attitude, you can't get past that. It will determine the altitude in your life. It'll determine so much of the outcome of your life. And so I went to pray yesterday and seek the Lord, and the Lord told me exactly what to speak on. And um, so, and, and there's a class that I do. It's called Foundations. And so this morning, I went and, and found my leader book for foundations. Look, I want you to see, I want you to see so, so you know that I'm not making this up, that you think that we didn't just kind of, I heard a song that you guys were singing, and I go, oh, yeah, that's the way I'm going to show everybody that I know what uh, God wants to say today. Look what this book says, foundations, foundations. What did we sing for the last 10 minutes? What did we sing for the last 10 minutes? I will build my life on the right foundation amen the the song that we sang i just stood there and i said thank you lord for confirming the word today we sang it for the last 10 minutes and then paul got up and said let's sing it again just in case somebody's tired and sleepy and you didn't get it all right and so here it is the foundation i want to talk to you about building your life on a good foundation i want to ask you a question what foundation have you been building your life on right now? I mean, think about that. What foundation have you been building your life on? Because the foundation in which you build your life on is going to determine the outcome of your life. It's going to determine so much of your life. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. How, how much time do we have, Paul? Well, don't tell me that. You don't want to tell me that, all right? I promise you. You got it. At noontime. Okay, cool. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Just put me on a leash, brother, because if you don't. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Not everyone who goes to church, not everyone who sings in the choir, not everyone who preaches the gospel, not everyone who even does miracles will get into heaven. Did you know that? Notice what Jesus said. He said, many will say to me on that day, what day? On the day of judgment, the Bible says it's an appointed unto man to die and then comes the judgment. Friend, I want to tell you, every one of us in this room, we need to be convinced that there's judgment day that's coming. And we're all going to stand before an almighty, holy God. And every one of us in this room are going to give an account for what we did with what God gave us. Now, I want to tell you why I'm, I'm giving you this message today. Because I believe that inside of every single one of us, there's a seed of greatness. I'm going to say that again. In every one of us, there is a seed of greatness inside of us. Every one of us. 
have a seed of greatness on the inside. How do I know that? Because number one, every one of us in this room have been created in the very image and likeness of God. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, you are the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. Brother, you're the funniest looking person I've ever seen in my life. But God created you in his image. Now, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm looking out at you guys today. I'm looking at you women today, and you got to be some of the sharpest looking people I've ever seen in my life. And I mean that with all my heart. And you are created in the very image of God, in the very likeness. The Bible said, let us create man in our own image. Check that out. The Trinity says, let's create man in our own image. And when you were created in the image of God, you were created as a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. And you are an image bearer of God. The word image means a reflection of God, a mirror reflection of God. You know, the most holiest moment of your day is not when you come to chapel. The most holiest moment of my day is not when I'm preaching the gospel. The most holiest moment of my day and your day is when you get up in the, in the morning and you look at yourself in the mirror. And women, you don't have any makeup on. And hopefully, men, you don't have any makeup on. And you look in the mirror and you don't have your power suit on. And you don't have your Sunday best on. And you don't have, you don't have your hair looking good. And, and you got bad breath that you can break that mirror. And when you look in that mirror, that's the most holiest moment of the whole day. You know why? Because that's God. God loves you just the way you are. It's the most holiest moment because God loves you without your power suit on, without anything. Why? Because he created you in his image. You're an image bearer of God. And because you're created in the image of God, there is a seed of greatness on the inside. Of every person in this room, there is a seed that wants to come to life, to bear much fruit. How do I know that? Because everything started with a seed. If you notice, everything in the book of Genesis started with a seed. The Bible says, and God created the seed, the, the fruit seed, the seed that was, plant, was supposed to be planted in the ground. Everything started with a seed. In fact, the truth of the matter is God created a man. And what did God put in man? A seed. And that seed, when it came together with a woman, I'm not going to go any further than that. We don't need to have a biological, a biology lesson today, right? But you put a man together, and what does the man have to reproduce? He has the seed. That's exactly what they called it in the scripture. Abraham had the seed. And Abraham gave birth to a son, Isaac, and Isaac gave birth to a son, Jacob, and so on, and so on, and so on. And, and the Bible says that God said to Abraham, Abraham, his name was Abraham, Abram, and he changed it to Abraham, meaning the father of many nations. And I will use you, Abraham, to be the father of many nations, and you will go out and be great amongst men, and you will, with your seed, you will populate the earth with men and women that love me, the seed. The second reason why you have a seed of greatness is if you're born again, then you have, listen to me, if you're born again, the moment you are born again, and I know some of you don't feel it yet, 
But you've got to allow your feelings to catch up with the truth. You can't live your life on feelings. Feelings? Feelings are fickle. Feelings will mess you up. You think I'm still serving the Lord after all these years because of feelings? You think I feel like going up to preach? Sometimes I, the last thing I want to do on a Sunday morning is preach. You think the, 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 you think I get up every morning and I want to love God? No, sometimes I want to turn away from God. Sometimes I want to turn away from the truth. Sometimes I want to do whatever my flesh tells me to do. But you don't live by feelings. You live by faith. Come on, somebody. You get up in the morning and you pray by faith. You get up in the morning and you read the word by faith. You get up in the morning and you live by faith. Why? Because faith can see things. Faith is vision. Faith says, if I do this, eventually. I will have a harvest in my life. If I do this, I will be blessed. If I don't do this and I do what God wants me to do, the right thing, I will find that there is a harvest at the end of my faith life. Come on, somebody say amen. I mean, you, you, you read Hebrews chapter 11, and it's the faith chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Noah built an ark. How long did it take him to build that ark? A hundred years. Everybody laughed at him, but he kept on doing it. That's what you have to do. You have to believe that by faith, if you obey the Lord, that you will be blessed at the end of that. And so Jesus said, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So being religious doesn't necessarily mean you have a relationship. Being religious doesn't necessarily mean that you're pleasing to God. But now he tells us who pleases the Lord. Who is it? The, who is the one who actually pleases God? Verse 24. Follow along with me. Therefore. Now, when it says therefore, there's a reason it's therefore. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Now, now some people say the rock is Jesus. Now, we know that God is our rock. We know that Jesus is, is a rock, but that's not the context of this. I want you to follow me. The context of this is being a doer of the word. Notice what he says. He said, the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall. Everybody say, yet it did not fall. Because it had its, its foundation on the rock. We just sang it. I want to build my life on the right foundation. It had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the I like the sand. I live near the sand. I live in Oceanside. I actually lived in Long Beach before that. And the truth is, I love going to the beach. I love sitting on the sand. I love hanging out on the sand. But I'm not going to build my house on the sand. Now, notice what he says. Very important. He says, 
Then the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great disastrous crash. Wow. So the key to your life, the key to whether or not you're going to be serving God in 10 years, and I know some of you are just brand new in the program. Listen, I've been supporting Teen Challenge, working with Teen Challenge, I built the Teen Challenge in Jamaica. We go back and forth to Jamaica, the island of Jamaica. Yeah, man, anybody Jamaican in this place? I've never, I've never met a Jamaican that I did not like. Nobody is Jamaican in this room. All right, help me out. Yaman. I'm going to, everything I remind. And every year I go back to Jamaica. And every year I'm reminded of what we did in 1989. We went to Jamaica in 1989 with a group of people from our church. And a church there in Jamaica actually leased to Teen Challenge a piece of property for $1. $1. It was just, they were donating it. But it was the way that they do it. One dollar. And we went there and it was just grass. That's all it was, grass. And so we took our shovels and we began to dig and dig and we digged and we digged and we and we, and we digged all week long. And we were exhausted. And then they came with the concrete and they poured the concrete. And then they laid the concrete slab. And today, if you go to Jamaica, you'll see a Teen Challenge Center in which I go back almost every year to do the graduation for the graduates. I promised the graduates that if they get through the program that I'd fly back and I'd do their graduation. So almost every year I go back and do their graduation. And it is a joy. It is amazing. I, I'm, it never gets old for me. Because I see these guys when they first come into the program, and man, it looks like they're about to die. Their, their eyes are darkened, they're sunk in, they're tired, they're weary, they're hungry, they're thin, they're not smiling, they're not happy, they're not happy about being in chapel, they're not happy about learning the word, they're not happy about anything. And I go there and I love on them and, you know, and we get to know each other and I tell them, listen, you go through the program, you get through the program, I will be back here to do your graduation. And I come back a year later. I mean, I'm on the phone with them, I'm talking, I'm taking, you know, I'm, 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 I'm making sure of certain things. But I get there at the end of the year and, and there they are graduating and, and they, they got some weight on them now. And their eyes aren't sunken in anymore. And the color's back in their face again. And they're smiling. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, what the Lord can do with a young man or a young woman who gives themselves to building the right foundation in their life. Come on, somebody say amen. Glory to God. Amazing what God can do in one year. In one year, what God can do in a life that is devoted to building the right foundation in their life. But I'm also reminded when I go back there that not just these people's lives, but I look at this building. This building has withstood. It's been there since 1989, and it's a solid building. The building that you're in right now is a solid building. You know why it's a solid building? Because it has the right foundation. And your life will only be as successful as the foundation that you have placed under it. Your life will only be a success, a success when you recognize that you have, you have to do the work of laying the foundation. You see, we want everything to come fast in this country. 
We want to drive through a drive through McDonald's and get what we want fast. We want fast food. We want fast everything. But there are certain things in our life that we need to apply ourselves to and work towards so that we build on the right foundation. And I'm here to tell you today that I am very confident that if you build the right foundation in your life, that God will bless you and you will be a blessing to other people. So it's your decision today. What are you going to do? Are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Let me tell you something. If I felt sorry for myself, I wouldn't be here today. My father died when I was four years old. My stepfather died two years after my, ma my, mo my mother married him. Uh, the third guy that she married is a praying man. You know what I'm talking about. He's like, keep me alive, Lord. Some of you get that on the way home, right? And in between that, I was abused as a child, all right? I understand. I get it. I understand. They repossessed my guitar because my mother didn't have enough money to pay for my guitar. It was bad. I talk every Sunday morning, I talk about pasta fazul. You know why I talk about pasta fazul so much? Because pasta fazul is the miracle meal. You know why it's the miracle meal? Because you could take one box of macaroni and you could take some beans and you can put it in a pot and it expands. And my mother fed us pasta fazul. Why? Because there are many times we didn't know where we were going to get our next meal. But God's been faithful. So I can, use every, I can use every excuse in the book to walk away and say, somebody did me wrong. I was abused. I, I grew up in a difficult home. My mother was a widow. I can use all those excuses. Or I can say, you know what? One day at a time, God, I'm going to let you build a good foundation in my life. One day at a time, God, I'm going to put into practice what you said. And over the time, I'm going to see that, God, you're going to do something good in my life as I'm building that, that good foundation. Notice what Jesus says. Jesus says that the rain fell on both foundations. Listen, every one of us are going to go through difficult times in our life. Not one of us in this room is ever going to be exempt from difficulty in our life. No one. Why? Because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sin-filled world. We live in a very dysfunctional world. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're dysfunctional. Turn to your other neighbor and say, and you're dysfunctional too. But I'm more dysfunctional than you are. We, we live in a dysfunctional world. We live in a sin-filled world. We live in a very difficult world. Because of the fall, we're going to get hurt. Because of the fall, we're going to make mistakes in our life. And God reigns on the just and he reigns on the unjust. You know what? The truth of the matter is, is the, the, greatest, the greatest work of God that God has ever done in my life has always been in the valley. It's always been in the fire. It's always been in adversity. It's always been when I needed to believe him. It's always been when I faced giants in my life. It's always been when I've been humbled. It's always been when I recognize I can't do it without God. I remember I was so arrogant and cocky as a, a young pastor, man. I thought I was the deal, man. I thought at 20 years old, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Actually, at 19 years old, I preached my first sermon. 
19 years old in my church, preached my first sermon. It's probably the worst thing that could have ever happened to me because I was so filled with pride. I thought I was the man. I used to look at my pastor and say, get out the way because one day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach and I'm going to show everybody how to do it. And I was so filled with pride until one day I had a wreck, an emotional wreck. When my daughter was born, I was 27 years old. And everything that happened to me in my past came flooding back. And I was overwhelmed with anxiety and fear and depression. And I was in the ministry. And God let all of that stuff come up in me. You know why? Because I never dealt with it. I never dealt with it. And God had to make me go through that time in my life to face the, the abuse that I went through and face the heartache. And I remember holding my little daughter in my arms, starting to weep and cry like a baby because I said, you know what? I didn't have this growing up. I didn't have a father. And nobody protected me from this person who abused me. And God, and I, all this stuff just started to well up inside of me and come out of me. And I recognized, you know what? God needed to do a deeper work in my life. It's not easy for anyone, but you know what? I'm going to tell you something. That was the time in my life. That was the greatest time in my life for God to do the greatest work inside of me. Because I was open. I was humbled now. I was broken. Have you ever failed? Anybody failed in this room? Let me see your hands. I'm in the right room right here. Come on. We all fail. And when we fail, we're so humbled. We're embarrassed about our failure. We're humbled by it. God knocks us off our horse and, and, and he helps us to recognize that it's when we're weakest that God makes us the strongest. When we, when we recognize our pain and our suffering in our life, when we recognize our faults and our weaknesses in our life, then God can use us the best. And I remember reading 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul the Apostle says to keep me from becoming conceited or lifted up with pride because, man, God was using me and God was using Paul. God was using people. He says to keep me from becoming proud, he put a thorn in my flesh. And I cried out to the Lord three times, Lord, take this thorn away from me. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what that thorn is. You know why? Because everybody in this room has a different thorn in our life. Don't turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're my thorn. Everyone has a weakness. Everyone has a thorn. Everyone has a struggle. Everyone has to face difficulty. Everyone has to go through trials. Everyone has to go through fiery trials. Every one of us has to climb a mountain, go through a valley. Every one of us have, have to go through these things in our life. Why? Because that's the way that God shapes us. Sometimes that's the way that God has to break us to remake us. Because some of us, our foundation is wrong. Some of, our, some of us, our foundation, the material that we've been using all our life is bad. And one more storm, one more, just one more. Let, let me tell you something. I don't know who this is for, but somebody in this room, you're one more storm away from total disaster. And God has been so good to you to bring you into this shelter, to stop you from disaster. Stop you from ending up in prison. Stop you from doing something so incredibly stupid that it cost you the rest of your life. God has been so merciful to you to put you in this place right here. You know why? Because God wants to jack up your house, man. He wants to jack you up. He wants to jack up your house. I live in a nice neighborhood. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I thank God. When I was 19 years old, when I got saved, God... 
bless me to be able to invest in a home. I couldn't believe it. My mother helped me with $2,000. She was in real estate. She knew how to do it. And I invested in a home. 19 years old. My mother said, you're going to buy a house. I said, buy a house? I said, I don't have anything. And all I want to do right now is praise the Lord. She said, you can praise the Lord all you want. You need a house. And she helped me to buy a house, 19 years old. And I invested in that house. And I just made, I made it happen. I just made it happen. And so over the years, I was able to kind of buy up. Buy, and so I bought into Oceanside. Nice place. But when you walk, when you drive down my block coming to my house, you will see several houses on my block that are caving in. I mean, they're nice houses, really nice houses, but they're caving in. You know why? Because the builder, when he was building those houses, he chinsed, he cheated. He cheated the foundation. He thought no one would ever find out if he didn't put a pillar on there. You see, my house is built, actually all of our houses in the development are built on a swampland. It's right near the water. And so they filled in the swampland, and then they, they actually have what's called piles. And so if you look at the bridges, and they're, they're taking down a bridge right now, right? The Mario Cuomo Bridge. I'm going to call it the Tappan Sea Bridge until I die. But, 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 but anyway, every bridge has to have pylons because the pylons go deep into the, the, the bedrock of the ground so that what happens is when they're building these houses in my neighborhood, the first thing they had to do is take these pylons, they call them, and they have to drive them, drive them, drive them, drive them, drive them, drive them all the way down to bedrock. And they had to make all these piles all the way around the house, and then they build a foundation on those piles. If you didn't put the pile there, the foundation would not actually be in the right place. And as a result of that, the house would cave in. So now these houses were built in the 1960s, and now it's 2019, and the houses are caving in. And I drive by, and every time I drive by, I think, okay, that can be my life right there. It's a great reminder for me that I got to keep on building the right foundation in my life. Because if I don't build the right foundation in my life, that's what I'm going to look like one day. My house is going to look good on the outside. And, man, one more storm, one more situation is going to take my house down. And so I'm here to just tell you one thing. You are here, some of you are here a week. Some of you are here five months. Some of you are here three months. I know. I know all about Teen Challenge. I get the whole thing. I know how hard it is. I know that you've been taken out of your environment and put in this environment, and you are challenged every day of your life to get up early in the morning and read the Word, and you're challenged every day to pray, and you're challenged every day to be honest with yourself, and you're challenged every day to go deeper and deeper and deeper in God, and you're challenged to get the stuff out of your life. And, man, some of you are screaming and you're hollering all the way and you're feeling sorry for yourself, I want you to pick yourself up and know that you're in the right place for the right season of your life because God is about to do something great inside of you. No, You know why? Because there's a seed of greatness on the inside of you. And God wants to pull it out of you because God wants to use you in a great way. He uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. My friend always reminds me, man, Pastor Steve, he's a great friend, and he always reminds me of this. Pastor Steve, you're too stupid to do what you do. And I don't get offended by that because the truth is I shouldn't be up here doing what I'm doing. And I shouldn't be at Bethlehem Assembly of God planting churches, the president of Hope Day, doing all this great stuff. That's not me. I'm not smart enough. 
you, 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 you looked at me a couple of years ago, you'd say, this person is a candidate for failure. But God uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. It's not me, it's the Holy Spirit. It'll never be me, it'll be always the Spirit. But God wants you to sit tight and stay in this incredible place. And some of you, God's got to jack up your house. And that is painful, man. It's costly because you've already built this house. You already built your house. And there's some deficiencies in your house. And you might be fooling some of the people some of the time. But you can't fool the devil because he's on your tail. And he wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to destroy your life. But God wants to use you in a great way. But he'll never be able to use you until you get to that point where you say, whatever it takes, God, jack up my house, God. And put, put the right foundation underneath my house. And so there's a couple of houses on my block. They were caving in. Now you go and see them. They're beautiful. Why? Because the owner spent the money, made the investment to jack up the house and put the pylons underneath and get the house back in order again. There's one house. The man is wealthy. He's a doctor. But he didn't want to spend the money on the house. And his house looks terrible. Why? Because he doesn't want to make the investment. This is an investment in the rest of your life. And I know the devil wants to tell you, run, leave. I get it. It's got to be hard. But let me tell you, this, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you real quick in, in the next 10 minutes and then we're going to have lunch, all right? I promise you. Well, I can't promise you, but I'll, I'll, I'll do my best. <laughs> I want to give you real quick six reasons. Real quick. I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'm just going to give you six reasons why you must build a good foundation in your life. Number one, if you don't build the right foundation in your life, you will fall spiritually. I promise you. Second Peter chapter three, therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you might not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. Wow. Fall from your secure. You have to recognize every day you're one step towards stupid in your life. And you can fall from your secure position. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been serving the Lord. But he says, but if you grow, look what he says. If you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on a daily basis, you will not fall from your secure position. So you have to make it a goal in your life to keep on growing. There's not a day. There's not a day that goes by that I don't grow in the word. And I've been doing this a long time. Why? Because I don't want to fall from my secure position. Number two. This probably is the most important. We, we must have a good foundation so that we might know God's will for our life. You know, God has a, a perfect will for your life. Look at me. God has a perfect will for your life. I mean, his plan for your life is so awesome. Some of you, if God showed you what you're going to be doing in 20 years from now, you'd, you'd be so scared you'd run. If I knew what God was going to do with me when I was 19 years old, I might have ran. Right? 
I can't believe, looking back at my life, all the souls that are now in the kingdom of God because I said yes to the Lord. Not because I'm smart. Not because I know it all. Because I said yes to the Lord and I keep on growing in the Lord. And God has a, an incredible will for your life. How many of you want the will of God in your life? Let me see your hand. You want the will of God. Well, guess what? Look at all the hands that are raised. Raise your hands again. How many want the will of God? Do you think that you're going to see that come to fruition without first building a good foundation in your life? So take it easy. Slow down. Don't, don't get so nervous about where you are today. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy the ride. Take it all in. You know what I have found? I have found, Paul, I have found that Teen Challenge graduates who go through the whole program know more of the word than most Bible school graduates do. That's amazing. You, right now, you're in Bible college. You're in school, man. And God is doing a good work in your life. Look, look what Romans chapter 12 says. Romans chapter 12 Verse 1, look at all the therefores. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers. I, I urge you. Paul says, I, I urge you, brothers. Steve is saying to you, I urge you in, in the view of God's mercy in your life, that God has been so merciful to you that you're here today, that God pulled you out of the miry clay, and he put you on a rock to say, he said, listen, in the view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, everybody say then. Then, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will for your life. You don't know what God's will is right now, but you will as you grow in his word. Because the more you have God's word in your heart, the more that you, you, your mind is absorbed. Your mind has to be brainwashed. You have to be brainwashed. God's going to take your mind that's been so polluted, my mind that was so polluted as a kid. I mean, with all this garbage and all the philosophies of this world, don't be conformed any longer to the patterns and philosophies of this world. He said, but be renewed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so you've got to stay here and let God wash out your mind, cleanse you again, and then change you. That word, you know what that word transform means, right? It's the Greek word for metamorphosis. Say, you, you are this and you are becoming this. You need to say that, man. I am becoming a mighty man of God. I am becoming a mighty woman of God by faith. Number three, we need, we need to grow so that we won't be confused by false teaching. There's a lot of nonsense out there, friends. You know, when I was, when I was a young man and I just got saved, I'd listen to Christian radio. And I'll tell you what, I thank God for Christian radio. And sometimes I got to say it's, it's comical. 
because I'd, I'd listen to Christian radio, Paul, and I'd, 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 you know, I was a young man. I wanted to get the word in me, and so I'd hear one preacher, and that one preacher would say, oh, bless God, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, you're healed. By his stripes, you were healed. He'd get off the radio, the next guy would come on and say, healing is not for today. I'd be like, dude, I'm healed. I'm not healed. I'm healed. I'm not healed. You know, I was so confused. You know, some guys would say, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Some, no, you don't need it. And I'd be confused, right? You have to know what God's word says for yourself. Number four, we need to grow so that we'll help others and teach others about God. Friends, there's going to be somebody that's going to come into this place that's going to need you. And if you're feeling sorry for yourself, and you're always focused on you. You know what? Let me tell you something. You, you, you want to rise out of depression? You want to defeat anxiety in your life? Get busy helping somebody else. See, if, if you take care of God's world, he'll take care of your world. See, some of you guys, let me just be honest with you. I know. I get it because I've been there. You're just so concerned about you. Every, it's all about you. It's all about you. The world revolves around you and your needs. But the Bible says, if you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, he'll give everything you need, he'll give it to you. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. I found out a long time ago, the pathway to joy in my life is to help others. The pathway to joy in my life, the pathway to growth in my life. Do you know why I know the word so well? Because I got to give it to somebody else. At 19, I didn't, I didn't start this when I was 56 years old. At 19 years old, I started teaching a small little, small group in my church. 19 years old. I said, you know what? I'm, if I'm, if I'm going to serve God, I'm going to have a blast with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in. See, some of you are lukewarm. You got one foot here. You're double-minded. You're double-minded. And the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You got to make a decision today where you're going to be. You got to make a decision. You know what? I'm here and I'm staying. I'm here and I'm growing. I'm here and I'm going to lay my foundation. I'm here and I'm going to give myself 100% to whatever God calls me to do. Because I did that at 19 years old, man, I started growing so much. Why? Because I wasn't double-minded anymore. I made up my mind. Somebody needs to make up their mind today. You need to make up your mind today. Who are you going to serve? Where are you going to go? How are you going to grow? And are you going to help other people? Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. He says, by now, he said, you should be teaching others. He said, but I got to give you the elementary truths all over again. In other words, stop being a baby. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, stop being a baby. Stop being a crybaby. I'm just being honest with you. Don't do it. Don't feel sorry for yourself. Stop. Stop it. Because it'll kill you. Self-pity will destroy your life. You need to grow. Number five, we need to grow because we need to know him better. It's all about him. It's all about knowing God better. How many of you would love to walk with God? I mean, walk with God. It starts by determining to lay down your foundation. And lastly, as I close, I got two minutes. I'm going to do this, man. I can't believe it. This is a miracle. 
I've never done this at my church. On time. We need to grow. Because if we don't grow, the devil's going to destroy our life. Why? Because we're in a spiritual war. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Listen, drugs is not your enemy. Alcohol is not your enemy. Depression is not your enemy. The devil's your enemy. And he wants to take you out. The Bible says that we are to put on a full armor of God. That we can stand against the wiles and schemes of the enemy. What's a, what's a, what's a wile and a scheme? What's a scheme? What, what, what's a scheme, my man? What's a scheme? It's a plot, right? What's your name? What's your name? How old are you? 26. Wow, you look young. And, 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 and where are you from? From Haiti? Wow, I know a lot of people from Haiti. I have a lot of friends from Haiti. God wants to do something in your life, young man. But you got to put on the full armor of God. What's a scheme? It's a plot. Do you know why the Bible says put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles and schemes of the enemy? Because the only thing the enemy has is schemes. See, he's already been disarmed on the cross. The Bible says God, through Jesus Christ, disarmed all principalities and powers. The devil has no power over your life. The only power he has is the power you give him. And the way that you come against him is by putting on the full armor of God. And what is the full armor of God? Well, he gives us, he tells us, put on the belt of truth. And what is the belt of truth? How do we know the belt of truth? How do we know truth? Through his word. Amen. Take up the shield of faith. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. His righteousness. Put on the helmet of salvation. Make sure your shoes are ready to preach the gospel because there's power in the gospel. And you know what he tells us? And pray always in the spirit. I want you to stand to your feet right now.